What's up, Outliers? It's your girl, Erin, and you are listening to We Are Made Fly. Let's walk together as we figure out this thing called life. Are you ready? I am. What's up, Outliers? I'm back. Better than ever. <laughs> I wish you guys could see my setup right now. I'm sure eventually <laughs> I'll post this video, but I don't have the sound, the foamy sound things on my walls yet. So super echoey, probably still is a little echoey. I'm sorry. Um, but so I looked up, you know, how to reduce echo without foam boards. And I found this video of this guy uh, with a blanket over his head, computer and microphone. So I literally am kind of sitting in the dark (laughs) with a blanket over my head with all the gear underneath it. Uh, Yeah. So uh, I went ahead and ordered some of those on Amazon. So those will be coming in soon. Hopefully that'll improve the quality a little bit. Um, But yeah, I'm back. Thank you, everyone that listened to Sold episode 1.0. Also, thank you, anyone that's listened to my episode Forever Changed about suicide awareness uh, and prevention. I I hesitate on the prevention part because it's more of just sharing a story, but I eventually will have an episode that's more intervention and crisis related to where you could help someone else or, you know, and really solidify and hone in on that prevention part. Super important to me. Uh, but thank you. Just thank you for being here. So I'm really new at this whole faith thing. I have this fear that I don't have a full understanding and that I'm going to share something wrong. Um, so much so that, I mean, <laughs> I even talked to my pastor on the phone last weekend. Like, hey, you know, I'm figuring this out. You know, like I haven't even read the Bible from front to back yet. I, I just so much fear around saying something wrong and leading someone in the wrong way and not helping at all and actually making things worse. So for now, until, you know, I'm a little bit more confident with that, I'm going to talk about what I am confident about. And that is my journey throughout my life and my relationship with God. So like I've said in every episode now, I was raised Catholic, still very important to me. You know, as a Catholic, you go through, I mean, you're baptized when you're really young. I was baptized on the same day as my brother. We're Irish twins, 15 months apart. Shout out Ryan. Um, First Holy Communion, that's a whole shebang. You know, I don't know if you know anything about the church, but when you go up to get the body and blood of Christ, the Eucharist, you can't just go and do that willy-nilly you have to go through first holy communion it's a whole class you know that's if you ever seen the little kids and the white dresses and the tuxes at church it's like an event that's what that is um i'll i'll post i'll find a picture of my first holy communion and post it (laughs) it's really cute um so yeah it's you know it's really important then you do confirmation which makes you like an adult in the church and I always did classes. 
I mean, literally from elementary school through high school, I had class at least once a week after school at the church. And I'll be completely honest. I dreaded going every single time, every single time. I don't know why. I, I mean, I wasn't crazy about going to school either, so I can't really make it sound like it was just that. I, maybe social anxiety, anxiety. I don't even know, but I'm glad I did it. And it gave me a foundation of consistency and also belief in God. I'm not even going to pretend like it, it didn't. You know, I, as a child, I remember I would always say when I was scared, God, please put your God bubble around me. Please put your God bubble around me. And I would feel better, genuinely. And I think that God has seen that and he's seen my heart that I 100% know that he's real. But I mean, I would pray to him in my head all the time about (laughs) the most random stuff. Like I remember I was talking to my dad a few weeks ago and I was like, yeah, I mean, you know, kind of talking about my journey with it. And I was like, I used to pray about the most random things. I don't even know if, if that was what I was supposed to be, you know? And he's like, what, like asking for Twinkies. And I was like, no, really? Yes. <laughs> like, God, you know, I could really use some sprees right now. I could really use some gobstoppers right now. You know, just, I would talk to him all the time in my head. And I feel like he really appreciated that looking back now. I didn't realize how special that was then. And then I started to get older, middle school. I definitely stopped thinking about him as much. And, you know, that's when I kind of slipped into seeking attention from boys in ways that I just shouldn't have. And, but I just wanted that, the feeling of love and attention, you know, and not that, you know, I have a wonderful family and I just, I don't know. I guess I feel the need to put that out there, but, and you know, I feel like a lot of, I don't know if a lot of people do that. I still don't know, but I sure did. And I sought attention in all the wrong ways, but I remember feeling guilty. You know, I never, there was never, ever a time that I did something like a conversation or I just, it's like my, my, my whole being, I couldn't enjoy the things that everyone else was enjoying without feeling guilty even but I still kept doing it and I remember always being like does anyone else feel like this like does anyone else feel guilty (laughs) you know it's just so really moral of that story is that really nothing was fulfilling me or nothing was giving me joy other than softball and you know that still had a little bit of stress with it but that was my outlet. And I feel like it just kind of 
my faith and how much I thought about him and praying to him, it just kind of slowly, like it was still there, but I felt like I had checked the blocks, you know, I was like, I believe in him. So I'm good. But then I've read something lately that it was like, congratulations. Even Satan believes in God. And I was like, Oh, Oh my gosh. That's a perspective shift. I mean, just gonna let that one sink in for a second. It, it still rattles me because of how long I lived like that, you know, and then in eighth grade, first day of eighth grade, I had a teacher, Miss Freeman. She was my teacher in sixth grade and she was, I loved this woman. She just, she was confident. She is confident. Um, we've, our relationship has drifted off, but you know, this is gosh, 15 years ago. Wait, no, like 11 doesn't matter. It's currently February of 2022. This was, and I'm 25 years old, about to be 26. This was in eighth grade and her son was deployed first day of school and a teacher came, opened the door, asked her to come out and she cracked the door and me and my best friend, I'm going to not say your name on here. <laughs> Pansy. We call each other pansies. So me and Pansy, who's also has a dad in the military. It's also just, I try not to cuss on here anymore, but just a badass, you know, sorry. I don't know what other word to use, but um, I'm, I'm saying that to emphasize the depth of what I'm about to say is she walked over the t- towards the hall, looked into the um, vice president, assistant president, president, principal, their office. And then she just hit the floor and started screaming. And then the, our coach, Coach Boone, like picked her up. And then you see these two Marines walk out of the room. And if you're not familiar with the military culture, when a loved one is killed in action overseas, people in uniform show up to your house and that's how they tell you that they're gone. And it's just a nightmare for anyone that has to even think that that's a possibility. And you just kind of live on edge And we saw it happen just to someone we loved so much, just made it all real. And that's when things really shifted for me. You know, I've, I know now that I dissociate when I'm super stressed for lack of better terms. And, you know, I don't have really good memories from that point on really, (laughs) up until now, now that I'm trying to heal, but that's when things kind of change, you know, like that's when I could have gone to him, God, and just let him help carry the sadness for me. But instead it just wasn't even, I was angry. You know, I just, I didn't get it. I wanted answers. It just made me really confused. 
And I didn't have, I felt like I didn't have the energy to try to figure it out. And then going to freshman year, as you guys know, one of my closest friends, Sydney, took her own life. And that completely rocked my world. I remember the day after we went out on the softball field and that I only have like snapshot memories, kind of like what I was saying. And there was a counselor at the school and he told us to go out the softball team to go out on the field and write something in the dirt, what we'd want to say to her. And I was just so mad. I was so mad. And all I wrote was why. And I realized now that that question was not only directed to her, but it was also directed to God because I just did not understand it. I did not understand it. I still don't even know how to formulate the questions of how I was feeling that could have even answered the question. You know, it's still just when I think back on it, like right now, I just, I remember feeling so angry and angry is a blanket emotion for a lot of other things, but it's also part of the stages of grief and you can jump around the stages. So I very well could have just been straight up angry. And, but I just had such a misconception of how it all worked, you know, like we got free will, but I know God can intervene but why didn't he? This hurts really bad. Why would he let him, why would he let this happen? It just felt like all of a sudden I was alone, angry and alone with a lot of questions. And so I just, I, I turned my back, you know, but I didn't understand at the time really, or until recently that yeah, there is our God. And there's also forces that are not our God that can work against us because we live in a fallen world. And this is not how it's supposed to be. And I've never really thought about that. Maybe because it was uncomfortable, maybe because I didn't want to, because it's kind of freaky. But that wasn't even on my radar. And I just remember, I mean, it got, I was having super bad nightmares. I mean, I remember like my mom at one point, like I dropped my dad's like Kevlar helmet upstairs shortly after this happened. And I remember my mom came sprinting up the stairs and almost busted my door down. And, you know, she thought that I had done the same thing and there was just so much anger, you know, I, instead of like being compassionate towards my mom and, and understanding that she was also hurting too, like, you know, I just start yelling at her. You really think I'd do that? I'm just painting the picture of like anything. I feel like anything godly that I was portraying or embodying just completely went away. And I felt it. I felt so alone and confused. And, but then I remember I was so numb that 
and just angry. I know I keep saying that, but gosh, I can't even explain how angry I was. But I had this trigger warning. I need to be better about that. Um, I had this knife and went to my bathroom and I started cutting my wrist. And I know now, you know, with my education, clinical mental health counseling, and I was just so numb. I wanted to feel something. You know, I also know now that I was partially blaming myself because even this year I've been processing in therapy that I've been carrying this whole time that I could have saved her. And I've been carrying that for like 11 years. And I didn't even realize that it was so deep in there. And it didn't come out until I've had my first clients that, you know, have suicidal ideation or intent. And I've just lost my mind, you know, and then it all came out then. And, but in the middle of doing that, as soon as I broke skin, it's like, it, I just, I snapped into it and I dropped it and I started crying. And I never was one of those people that like outwardly worshiped, you know, like with the hands out and all that. But at this moment, just something came over me. I dropped it. I put my hands out and I just started sobbing. And I said out loud, God, I can't do this anymore. Like, I can't do this on my own. I need you. And the next day, my mom found me a therapist that helps save me. Truly. And she, she, is part of my story that inspired me to do what I'm doing now. You know, I want to help people like that. But anyway, so it's like he would like force himself in at the hardest times. And I'm so thankful for that because he knew I needed it even when I didn't deserve it. And that's his grace and that's his mercy. But then I still like that happened, but then did anything about my actions change? Did I start going towards him? Did I start making the choices to no, no, I just, I honestly don't even really remember a lot of it, but I got pretty lost and I stopped playing softball because the next season was just garbage without her so we've been playing together since maybe fifth or sixth grade and that was my outlet and then now all of a sudden didn't have one I was seeking control because I just felt like everything in my life was out of my control I developed an eating disorder let me explain that I was counting calories but it was only allowing myself like I remember it was like 800. And then I would go to the gym after school, spend hours in the gym, making sure I burned more calories than I ate that day. And I still remember at this point in my life, I started to get so many compliments on, oh my gosh, you look so good. Oh my gosh, I need to do what she's doing. What do you do? You know, just and it made me feel even more alone because it's like, <laughs> you know, people would look at my life and be like, oh, like she has it all. 
She has a good family. She has a beautiful house. She's thin now. You know, she has friends. She's fine. And really, I felt like I was dying on the inside. I felt so misunderstood. Where I would sleep in all my classes. Teachers wouldn't ever. I don't recall any teachers ever saying anything to me. I honestly feel like maybe they were scared to because I didn't want what happened again, what happened to happen again. And I still just wasn't going to God. And also I completely skipped over the fact that right after Sydney died, I lost my favorite grandpa, but that's me not wanting to talk about it because it hurts so bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Another thing that just added to it. And I miss him. And it all just felt unfair. I still feel like it was too soon for me to lose my favorite grandpa. But what do you do? You know, something that I heard recently is that the storm is going to come whether you have Jesus or not. But Jesus can help carry the burden. He's our yoke, which a yoke is, you know, something that you can put on two oxen and the two oxen can pull one load. And I'm telling you guys, it's the realest thing. He has shown himself to me in so many ways, but even like with this podcast, I, it used to be two of us and I genuinely felt like it needed to be. And then right before I started doing this again, that came to me, I discovered that whole yolk thing <laughs> and I can feel it. I mean, I feel even throughout my days and, but let me go back a little bit. Still in high school, still just going from relationship to relationship, trying to find security when really I could have just gone to the source the whole time, but it's okay. I'm, I'd like to believe that all the things that I experienced put me where I am now. And then we go to college. And I remember I was introduced to, uh, I was introduced to weed my senior year of high school. My boyfriend at the time smoked and I didn't hate it. I guess you could say I liked it. It's still all of this kind of like blurry. Um, I realize now, you know, a lot of the people around me did not have my best interest in mind, which, you know, in high school, we're not always thinking about other people. But I say that to the extent of I think some people I was so oblivious to. You know, I remember this one night it was like right after we graduated and I got drugged in Statesboro. And instead of people like taking care of me, I think that I, it was like the, I was like the show, I was the entertainment, you know, of these, these people that I look back and I'm like, why didn't anyone do anything? And it was so hurtful. And just, I'm saying all these things because if I 
had been in my right mind with God, I wouldn't have had to experience these things and felt so stupid and judged and used. And God knows, literally God knows what else happened to me during those times. I've been drugged three times and thank God that the last time I was drugged, I was with Charlie because he was a real man and he took care of me and he brought me home. He recognized something was wrong. And also my sorority big at the time, you know, when I went to college, I really did meet, especially my freshman year. I met people that saw me in a better light than I even saw myself. I remember going to college and being like, why do all these people like me so much? Especially, you know? And, but so I started smoking a little bit senior year of high school, but then when I went to college and I was four hours away, Kennesaw state university. And I remember I walked over to someone's place. It was like the first, like two weeks we were there. My roommate was like, let's go smoke with this person. Like I had just met this girl and I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. And we go. And then that pretty much was the start of it. I even was living on campus in the dorms and I just loved the feeling of escaping my reality that I was risking smoking in my dorms and getting kicked out just to get high. And that's not who I was like it, but it was though, like, that's what my behavior was. So it was, but at the core, I know it wasn't. And then that was the beginning of an internal battle for what? So that was like 2014. And I just quit smoking and fully quit smoking in January of 2022. And I mean, when I moved off campus, <laughs> I'm good at West and I moved into West 22 into the KD Manor. Oh my gosh. I was blazed all the time. I mean, all the time. <laughs> all the time. And I definitely was not thinking about God at all at this point. I mean, not at all. I was doing it my way. I genuinely thought for a long time that weed was the way to go for me. And I, I mean, I still do have a hard time sometimes that like, I feel like it kept me afloat, you know, because it was better than the reality of my reality. But then when it gets to a point where you're spending all your money on it, you don't even want to go home because you can't get high at home. You start staying at home more for the same reason. You only really hang out with people that also smoke. And a lot of those people were really good friends to me. So I don't want to imply that people that smoke weed are bad people. They were in my life. And there's a few people that just stand out to me that really did feel like brothers to me. And I'm, I can't even explain how much that meant. And, but then it just kept getting worse. My, you know, I, I was the, my relationship with Charlie was so toxic and I say was, and I want to take 
it's like, you know, blame, I guess. And no one's perfect. There's things, of course, that Charlie and I both still need to work on, but I just felt like I was so emotionally volatile. Like I still look back and I'm like, why did you stay with me? Like he was just always calm as a cucumber. And I was just so insecure at crippling. I mean, it was crippling. I would always try to self-sabotage and, but then I'd come back and I don't know. The point is like, I just was very emotionally unstable was, you know, before every spring break, I still definitely had an eating disorder. It was more like a binge type, like restriction binge compensation type thing. You know, I remember on one of the last spring breaks I went on, I did not eat anything solid for an entire week, only protein shakes. And I was being so psycho, (laughs) just so emotionally volatile, still just not thinking about God. And then I lost someone that was a brother to me back at home. The person that I've, Oh, it was on my Instagram story, but someone that was like a sister to me who was the softball coach at the time when Sydney passed away. And she like, whenever she was pregnant with her first child, her and her husband, Mark came to Disney with me for my 16th birthday. I didn't know they were pregnant, but my 16th birthday gift was to be the aunt to their child. So I was, they were like my brother and sister. And then Mark passed away in a terrible car accident. November, my junior year of college. And I was home actually when it happened. So I was like super unstable because I wasn't smoking. Also happened to be extremely hungover when that morning, you know, and we went to the hospital with Angie was there already. And, you know, I walk in trigger warning, you know, and his, his body's there with the flag over it. And I just remember, it just felt like everything. I couldn't control anything about what was going on in my own brain. And that I feel like that just pushed me even further away from God. And I just did not understand. And I remember I almost didn't go back to school. I remember my roommate at the time when I went back, I almost didn't go back, but I did. But I stayed in my room for literally like a whole week, only going back and forth in the kitchen to get like water. And my roommate at the time actually intervened, which was not a norm whatsoever, but that's how I knew that it was bad. She was like, you have to come to church with me. I was like, I don't want to, you know, and she just begged me. And so I went and I remember I just sat in there and I just cried junior college. I just cried Like I hadn't felt his presence in so long, but even still after that, I just, I didn't change anything. Even after that blatant display of a feeling I hadn't had in so long that could have given me comfort. I was like, nah, I'd rather just smoke weed because I knew the result. I knew the expectation. Nothing had to change. It was comfortable. And you know, so then senior year of college, unfortunately, it was like kind of a bummer because I was so freaking depressed. And then I came home 
I was still sneaking, you know, <laughs> sorry, mom and dad, little carts, you know, like dab cartridges. So I was still high. I was still high. And then, you know, Charlie moved down and we had our own place again. And then I started smoking real flour again, which was my preference. And I remember at this point, like I went now looking back, I went to like a manic episode. I spent like $5,000 on my credit card. My Nana had just passed away in a terrible way. And I just, it's like, I just kept spiraling deeper and deeper into chaos in my own mind. Like, it was like, I just felt like I was, it just kept getting worse and nothing was making it better. So I just started smoking even more weed. And I mean, the money that you spend on it and the needing it to like, if you go more than two hours without it, you're like, can't even function. It just impacted every single part of my life. And I remember I got like, I asked for the Jesus Bible that Christmas and my Mima bought it for me. And it's what I still use. And I love it. And it's super special to me. And I just feel like God was still trying so hard to just get my attention. And I was just so numbed out that like my receptors were off and that's the best way my receptors were off. I just didn't want anything to do with it. I was doing it my own way. And I realize now like that is just so insulting to him and I feel bad about it. And I've said, sorry about it, you know, and that, and the relationship, your relationship with God doesn't have to be based in guilt. I don't feel the guilt anymore because I know that I'm walking in purpose now. And so like, that's the thing, you know, like if you give it to him, he takes it and then it's not yours anymore. You remember it. So you don't do it again. And you remember how you felt and how much better you feel now, but the guilt with it is gone. And I didn't realize how much of my anxiety was rooted in guilt because I was so off course of where I was supposed to be in my purpose. And now anxiety is one of those things where when I start to feel it, I know something's off. And then I stop and I'm like, okay, what, God, what do I need to do to like fix whatever is causing this? Something's off. And then I figure it out and then the anxiety goes away. It's insane. It's just so cool and reassuring. But then we started, Lex and I started this business, the podcast, and she introduced me to Mike Todd from uh, Pastor Michael Todd Reformation Church look it up. Amazing. But also look up Pastor Corey Williams at Hope City Church. That's where I'm at now. One and the same to me. And she was like, you have to listen to this one episode. And I was on the way to Panama City with Charlie. And it was basically him talking about like surrendering your life to Jesus. And I said it in the car. Cause I was just so desperate for a change. Like how I was coping wasn't working anymore. And I said it in the car and I remember I looked up in the clouds and you know how, when people like can't see things clearly, they like blink a few times really heavy and like make their eyes bigger. Like, did I just see that? That's literally what happened. I swear. I saw Jesus face for like three seconds 
in the clouds and then just kind of drifted. And that also happened to me at my, at my confirmation at the Catholic church, when they did the smoke thing, um, the incense, I remember I looked up and I like did the same blinky thing. I was like, did I just see Jesus face? And it's like, yeah, you could say, oh, that was confirmation bias. Oh, that was, that was all in your head. Well, I wasn't expecting to see Jesus' face. So you need something for confirmation bias. And I felt it too. And I was like, wait, what? And I remember that week in Panama City, I just felt so at peace. And I felt like everything was okay again, you know, and then you go back home and you start smoking weed again. And again, at the time, like I didn't realize things that had a hold of me, things that were lurking around me that wanted to keep me off course. And really the smoking continued until, like I said, January of this year, but it was on and off starting like in October of 2021. I just felt like I was losing my mind. I started having like suicidal thoughts and I was like, what is actually happening? Cause y'all know the things that I've said, like about with Sydney and like, I would never do that. So why am I having these thoughts? And then I was just becoming even more emotionally volatile and smoking was only making me more anxious now. And it wasn't helping at all. It wasn't chilling me out. I I was just like, oh gosh, this is not good. I didn't know which way to go because the thing that I had been relying on for so long was no longer working. But then when you stop too, you also feel like you're going crazy. <laughs> you know, like it's it's wild how that works. Um, but then one night I just felt I, I, I was arguing with Charlie. I was sparking an argument, comparing him to people that literally do not touch him. It just felt like it wasn't me. And I even remember Charlie saying, and he never really like, he was like, Aaron, I feel like this isn't you right now. And I was just mad. And I just started walking. I walked out of the house, started walking down towards the river, got on the dock. I felt like I wasn't even in control. And as, as soon as I got on the dock, trigger warning, I had this, the most vivid image in my head. It was, I saw myself standing at the end of the dock where I was walking, holding a gun. And I saw myself shoot myself in the head. And then I fell into the water. But then when I fell into the water, I was back in my body. And I remember seeing all my blood everywhere, but I was still alive because it didn't work. But I was so messed up by the gunshot that like now I was just going to drown. And I felt it and not like the pain of the gun, but like I was there. It was it was so vivid and it felt like and I just had no idea. And I was like, it scared me. And even still thinking about it now, I should have been scared then because something was influencing me that was not God. Because whatever it was did not want me to continue living because of the purpose that it knew I was going to fulfill. And it was trying everything in its power to stop me, literally to the point of showing me how to kill myself. And I even remember it was like, oh, well, if you do it over the water, no one will have to, you know, your body will just go away and no one will have to 
you want, no one will have to experience what you experienced at Sydney's funeral. I mean, it was like, what is going on? I was so, it was insane. Like even the feeling I have now, like I feel safe now. I feel protected now. I have my God bubble around me. I, I've been delivered. I encourage you to look up what that means. That'll be another podcast episode because it does seem, it can kind of be spooky, but I also, you know, out of fear, no, not out of fear because God casts out all fear out of concern. You know, I, I want, if I had been aware of the other side, I feel like things would have been a lot different instead of just being in la la land. And so that's my point in sharing this part. I don't want you to be in la la land. I want you to be in reality and there's light and there's dark. But I remember that scared the crap out of me, walked back home, but I still didn't want to be near Charlie who I feel like now is because like he, he does embody, like I said, there's a lot of things we all need to work on. Charlie is not perfect, but he's been like my stability and, you know, he was praying and whatever was influencing me did not want me to be around him. And so I went and I was sitting in his truck and that was one of the first times I heard God's voice and it was go back inside. And I remember I was like, no, like I literally talked back to God, the audacity y'all. And then I heard again, just gently go back inside. I was like, get out, slam the car door, walk back in the front door. And then as soon as I do, Charlie starts crying. He, he does not cry a lot at all. Like I would pay to see him cry more (laughs) like as a therapist, the man needs to cry more. And he starts crying. And he's like, Aaron, I just asked God to make you walk back through that door. I was just begging God. I was just begging him to make you walk back through that door. And as soon as I was done praying, you walked in. And I felt at peace. Because he showed himself to me. Again, when I deserved it the least. And that was the week after I went to Hope City for the first time. And, and that's how badly whatever evil disgustingness wanted me to take my own life. Cause I was getting closer and closer to God's calling for me. And if stuff starts getting crazy for you, when you start really thinking about God, one, just say you can, in Jesus name, get out. You have the power of Jesus inside you. The first time I heard that kind of stuff, I was like, okay, okay, try it. Try it. There was this one time during this period that, you know, I was still getting used to that. It was actually the first time I did this. I was sitting on my bed and I just kind of felt, I sensed something just not good. And my dog, Rogue, big one, Cane Corso, was laying in front of me on my bed and she just all of a sudden started growling at something right in front of the bed that I didn't see. And it scared me and I felt weird. And then I was like, well, I guess I'll give it a shot. And I said, in Jesus name, whatever's here, that's not godly. That's, that's not 
pure get out and then rogue stopped i was like um that's crazy (laughs) and i just i've i've i have so many experiences now that i know it it i've i i tried stopping smoking so many times and i gave it to him i remember i literally like put all my stuff like all the stuff I'd smoke with and all my little knickknacks in a birthday bag, like in a birthday gift bag. (laughs) And I was gifting it to God. I still have it under my sink. And what I, what I love about that is normally I'd have like the amount of times I've thrown things away and then had to rebuy them. And I've had this since, and I still, I'm like, no, I'm actually kind of repulsed by it. Um, and I was like, well, I can't take back a gift. And that's why I put it in a gift bag, almost to kind of like guilt myself a little bit more. But now I just don't even want it. And the longer that I stay in his presence and the more that I seek him, I'm telling you, the easier my life is getting. Like I was so worried about my internship and all these things and having all these clients and how am I going to manage all my time and how I've been so depressed. And, and I just whiz through my days. I'm like, what's next? But I start my days in the word and I end my days in the word. And I try to talk to him throughout. It's wild. And I just want you to know that it's worth the shift. It's worth the change. I mean, not only in the long run, when we're not on this earth anymore, but it's making my life better while I'm here. And that just does, that doesn't even give it justice. I feel like a new person. I feel like my brain is sound. And I feel safe. I feel protected. I feel loved. I needed that for so long. <laughs>